Hello and welcome to the Security DNA Podcast produced by SecurityInfoWatch.com. I'm John Doberstein, Managing Editor of Security InfoWatch and the host of this podcast. The editors here at Security InfoWatch plan to utilize this podcast to provide detailed, actionable information of value to security professionals. This will include industry news, trends and analysis, technology solutions, policy risk analysis, and management. For this episode, I have with me my colleague, Steve Lasky, who is Editorial Director for the Security Group at Endeavor Business Media. Steve will be talking today with Andrew Elvish, Vice President of Marketing at Genetech, about various dynamic trends and technologies affecting the current state of the security industry, including managed services, cybersecurity initiatives, and the potential future role of artificial intelligence and machine learning applications in the industry. And with that, let's turn it over to Steve. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. Andrew, it is always a pleasure to uh, speak with you. In fact, we had a nice long discussion a couple of weeks back in Las Vegas at the uh, ISC West uh, conference, and uh, we got to got to catch up on some things. And one of the things that sh- struck both of us was just the uh, the dynamics uh, of the event. Uh, the show seemed very robust. Uh, it was probably the most robust show I'd seen as far as foot traffic and uh, vendor engagement uh, in many years. And I've been to more than 30 of these events, so uh, that's saying something. But, you know, based on what you saw at ISC West, uh, what's your assessment right now of the current state of the industry? And, and uh, where, where do you think we are for the rest of the year based on how the uh, the economies in North America are, are, are faring. Hey, Steve. Um, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on your show. I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here. And uh, you're right, at uh, ISC West uh, in Las Vegas this year, we really did see quite, a, quite an uptick in traffic. And I mean, Steve, there was carpet on the floors. So come on. It was, it was pretty like that. Like, we're luxury now. Um, so that was a that was really cool. And uh, from our perspective, not only was the traffic good, but we also got this really broad cross section of the security industry. We had integrators, we had consultants, and more than in the past, I felt like we had a really big turnout of end users, and not just end users from the U.S. and Canada. We had a great contingent uh, from Mexico, South America, Brazil was very well represented, and even a few Western European uh, end users were there. And actually, we we had a few folks from uh, down in Australia and New Zealand that were, were at the show. So it was a really well-attended show, and um, the traffic was super encouraging as far as I was concerned. You know, when we looked uh, at what was being discussed and what was being shown on the floor. Uh, it seemed to be uh, a lot of customer-centric uh, type of uh, approaches to where security is. Uh, of course, technology is always in the spotlight, but uh, I, many of the companies that I talk to there seem to be talking strictly or, or straight to their customers uh, about, uh, you know, how being a corporate steward of the industry and of, uh, of, uh, of the globe was, was becoming a more important factor in how vendors play with, uh, uh, with their customers. 
yeah, when we were talking about sustainability and, and other things like that. So yeah, kind of address that a little bit because I thought that was something I had really not seen before. Yeah, well, it certainly has taken a long time. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, you look at, you know, companies in the security space, they're waking up to the fact that security is not what it was even five years ago, and certainly not what it was when I started going to ISC West 11 or 12 years ago. Um, the whole industry has changed. It's become much more about the overall network, the sort of, you know, to use a, a well-worn uh, tagline, the internet of things, like the security infrastructure truly is the backbone of the corporate IoT. And I think a lot of security professionals have come to the realization that they are stewards of a fairly big part of the IT infrastructure of the companies that they work at. and. Along with that comes both the responsibility and the expectations um, that are attendant to being a part of such a such a big part of a company's spend and network traffic and all of that. Uh, and with it, mitigating the risks. I think cybersecurity was definitely top of mind. Um, I have to say that's a super encouraging thing to see because we've spent a long time uh, advocating for greater uh, sort of literacy uh, amongst security professionals about uh, cyber risk. I think SIA has taken a really, really proactive stance in that regard. And uh, Don and the, the team there should be commended for um, the, the work that they've been doing in that regard. I still see, you know, um, you know, some some other, uh, you know, software manufacturers in the space have made some encouraging moves towards, you know, putting a little bit more limit on risky devices on their networks, you know, devices that are made by foreign governments uh, that do pose a, a very real risk to network uh, integrity and the integrity of the end users that uh, put these devices on their systems. But I think those companies are, are, are moving in the right direction, uh, however belatedly, but I'm, I'm not sure uh, if it's lip service or if they're actually taking action. So time will tell. Um, as far as we were discussing environmental, uh, you know, sort of sustainability of our business, and I'm encouraged, you know, Genetech has recently been working uh, with our partners and end users to understand sustainability efforts that are going on uh, in the physical security space. And we've seen positive moves towards understanding how we can play a role in that. Uh, our partners at Axis do an excellent sustainability report every year, which is uh, it's really good to see that because we all have to, to play our part. I don't know how sustainability jibes with, you know, doing a giant trade show in Las Vegas. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> this is true. Well, yes, some things have to be sa sacrificed for just the sheer reality of how you go to business, I guess. You know, when we when we look at uh, things that are top of mind, that are major talking points now for the uh, audience that we serve and the customers that you serve, uh, it seems to be the, uh, that there's a recurring theme, especially over the last several years since uh, uh, the pandemic, that uh, budgets have become a bigger concern uh, and potential chaos in the workforce. 
can you address some of these concerns from both a systems integrations perspective and that of the end user? This industry is such a unique industry. It's a highly, highly technical space. There's a lot, you know, over the past years, we've seen the rise of like, you know, networking skills and the demand for that in the space and the sort of complexity of networks, but then the very real and physical aspects of of what we do in this industry, right? There's, you know, skill at positioning, aiming, and hanging cameras, uh, installing doors, setting up ALPR systems, focusing them, you know, there's a very physical aspect uh, to physical security. So, you know, it's not a surprise that manpower and expertise has become a real challenge in this space, um, you know, with the competition in the workforce right now. Uh, I had the good fortune to spend a lot of time with um, our integration partners, our our channel partners, our Genetex customers, effectively, um, over the past few months. And whether I was in North America, uh, Asia, Europe, UK, I, I kept hearing the same thing. It's that finding those skilled people uh, was a major pain point. And this is compounded by the fact that not only is it hard to find the right people, but it's hard to get the equipment when you need it. So what we're seeing with integrators right now is an increase in truck rolls uh, because shipments aren't coming in predictably. So they're deploying part of the system and then they're having to re-roll trucks as shipments come in. And this this is affecting the bottom line, of course, right? And not only is it difficult to plan deployments and commissioning of spaces, um, but it's hard to find the people to do it. So we've seen a lot of our integration channel getting really creative, right? Like having their you know structured cabling guys at least be a little bit familiar with how to notionally point a camera and get a, a good field of view and do that while they're there so they're not having to send so many people. Um, really looking in new places for talent um, and, and growing their talent uh, internally. But a lot of people, even when they do that sort of bootstrapping of talent, they find that you know, these are very high demand roles. So they lose the talent as soon as they're trained, right? So I think we're going to see that um, settling down over the next, uh, probably next year to year and a half. I think the U.S. jobs report that just came out shows that, you know, a little bit, it's a cooling down a little bit. Um, don't want it to cool down too much, but, you know, just so that it's not quite so competitive. Um, but Steve, one of the things that I think is really interesting, and I think you see this also in your publications um, data, but we see it in our annual State of the Industry report, security professionals are super, super positive about where budgets are going in this space. When we started doing State of the Industry back in 2020, you know, 48% of respondents were feeling positive. So, you know, it was kind of didn't know where things were going. Naturally, with the health crisis, that's not uh, a big surprise. But um, you sort of see now as time goes on in 2021, it went up to 56% and now at fully 65% of respondents citing, you know, very positive views of, of where their budgets are going. And this to me speaks volumes about, you know, the, the fact that 
not only is security an essential need, but I think it's being seen as able to offer more to the corporations, the governments, the cities, the communities that use it. Um, it, of course, is there for safety, but it provides a much deeper insight into what's going on uh, in the environment. And, and as well as protecting assets, people, communities, you're getting a deeper view into, you know, how things can be improved within your facilities, how you can optimize space usage. So we're seeing a lot of companies really move into this um, this new area. And that, to me, is a, a really uh, exciting uh, thing. And actually, there's a, a great report from Bain uh, that just came out that I'm sort of vibing on their tech report for 2022. And even beyond the physical security space, you know, IT and OT investments um, are still being seen as an investment that spurs productivity. I mean, there's a great quote in the uh, Bain report that says, you know, CIOs and CTOs are increasing their tech spending. Um, even if there is budget pressure over the long term to them and to the analysts at Bain, they say that tech is not so much a cost as an investment that spurs productivity. And I think we see the same thing with physical security. And we saw it back in 2008, right? And the, in the, um, the financial crisis at that point is a very resilient space uh, to be in. Yeah, right. No doubt. I mean, and the, uh, State of the industry reports that we do with Security Business Magazine and on Security Info Watch validate everything you're saying. Um, the uh, the outlook for the audience that uh, we polled, our respondents were all uh, very uh, upbeat about where the industry was going, where their businesses were going, uh, projects that they had in the channel. This this our State of the Industry report deals with the systems integration side, uh, so. Uh, you can almost take uh, the pulse of the security industry by the temperature of the systems integrators. If if your systems integrator is happy, then uh, uh, probably your uh, your industry outlook is going to be good for the year. And we're also seeing that in just the spend that we're seeing from uh, uh, our marketing partners on all our all our media platforms. Uh, we've got people that are excited. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of demand in the in the market right now. I think this is this is certainly what's what's happening. You know, it's, this is a good segue to, to 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 my next question. Is you know, with that with budget concerns, with uh, work workforce challenges, we're seeing more managed services implemented across the board. And this is really changing the way organizations are approaching their security strategies and how they uh, go about mitigating risk. Uh, talk a little bit about how the managed service uh, solutions are changing the face of, uh, of our industry. Yeah, I think managed services and more broadly this, like, I would say a more nuanced understanding about what people are doing with not only the cloud, but with network services and how um, connected their physical security systems are. I think this is really driving a change in the mindset of security professionals. I do think there was a period back in like, I guess I, I'd call it the infancy of cloud in, in our industry, like back in 2012, 
really up till, I mean, it's, we're still there. I mean, we see a lot of companies like who come out with a story that like puts their enterprise product portfolio as on-prem, uh, you know, large scale systems, and then they cook up another small, medium business cloud offering, which I don't think does either side of that equation a lot of favors. I think looking at a really strong hybrid first approach is is where custom, at least the customers that and the the integrators that Genetech works with, where we see them putting a lot of emphasis. Um, you know, when we look at our sort of scale of companies that we work with, which is you know a wide array, they're all prioritizing managed services first. And I think the most sophisticated companies are um, are putting a sort of combination hybrid approach to cloud at the top of their lists. Um, I think there's a really good bit of research from um, uh, PwC in their uh, IQ22 report that, that really said that the best companies right now, I think it was 74% of the, the top performing companies in their analysis are taking uh, a much more uh, sort of forward approach to hybrid and managed services versus sort of their laggards in that report, which is like 47% of those were taking a hybrid managed uh, services approach. So I think more sophisticated end users and systems integrators are putting their mind towards looking at a spectrum of on-premises, cloud, connected, um, not only is it a more resilient way of doing it, it allows it allows in-system design to get the work done where it makes most sense to do the work. Um, and when we we get into a situation where it's an all or nothing offering, right? It's either you're archiving, connecting, viewing, doing everything in the cloud, or you're going to get a big rack of systems. I think customers are really, certainly the customers we deal with, are certainly putting a, a stoplight up for that because that, that really doesn't interest them. They want to have the best of all worlds as, as they should. And, um, you know, Genetech took a very, um, I would say, deliberate uh, approach to the containerization of our software. I think it was back in 2017, 2018, when we started that initiative to really start looking at how we can provide a sort of containerized architecture for our platform and then deploy that to our edge IoT devices. Um, and we're seeing that pay huge dividends because that allows end users to say, okay, I want to do this workload in the cloud because this is this makes sense in the cloud. So maybe that's just managing firmware, maybe that's managing patches, maybe that's managing system availability, uh, maybe it's some remote monitoring, but I want to do most of my archiving locally to where I'm deploying the system. Um, and then if you look out on the integrator side of the house, because these edge IoT devices are becoming much more connected and they're much easier to use, you can manage them, provision them remotely. So you know, you're not having to do as many truck rolls. You're not having to go on site as much. You can just have somebody 
at the whatever it is, the store, the regional office, or the little satellite office, just plug in the Edge IoT device to the the network and to um, the switch, and you know you can configure all of that uh, remotely through your admin. And this is where I think you know integrators and users are seeing a huge value in taking a bigger look at what. What does being connected mean? So I think right now that's probably going to usher in the sort of next phase of maturity within our our industry because I I, I don't think we're going to continue along in the, the same path we've been going on for the last 10, 11 years. I, I really do feel like we've we've hit an inflection point. And that you know, that's my that was my question. I you know, I'm looking at the tipping point. We're talking about bringing intelligence to the edge, and it obviously has become more than just a buzz phrase. Uh, but, you know, as AI and machine learning applications, uh, more and more of these are brought to market, uh, I think that tipping point also has got a, it, it has some education uh, parameters on it as well. Uh, how, how, how do you, uh, as an industry maven, go about educating customers that, uh, AI uh, and you know edge technology, uh, and you ex- you just explained a little bit, but is really a, a beneficial and is a, is a logical way to m- mesh their physical and logical. That's a that's a great question, Steve. <laughs> it's a big one. Um, I think the edge, like just in terms of computing surface, the edge is going to be hugely important. And that dovetails with my last answer to you about sort of connectivity and the the sort of, you know, growth of IoT edge devices within, at least within our business, our development uh, cycle. We're putting a lot of emphasis on that. Uh, We recently brought out our Powered by Genetech initiative, which will allow us to take a lot more of the Genetech sort of goodness right to the edge. We're working with Axis on the uh, the first offering there, which is the Axis powered by Genetech Axis Control uh, network door controllers. But we see huge promise of getting computing done where computing needs to be done. Like, and that's it goes back to that, do the work where it makes most sense to do the work. And if you are opening and closing doors, if you are making decisions on who gets in, when, how, and through which means, your decision making should be as close to that door as possible. I think there's a lot of magical thinking in our industry that um, network availability is 100%. There are never bottlenecks. There is never downtime. There is never congestion. And frankly, that's just um, that's just wishful thinking. And that's why we've always been such a huge proponent of three-tier architecture in access control and putting microservers as close to the doors as possible. Because a lot of time, the head end at airports, uh, large companies, the, the head end and where the access control directory might be seated, it might be a very long way away. And there's a lot of network in between that and the decision to open and close a door. So we have really worked to de-risk that in our architecture. And as we go further into this, we see a lot of value in getting closer to the edge, doing processing and work closer to the edge. This has been central to our ALPR um, process. And that's where you start getting into things like 
machine learning and optimizing uh, sort of algorithms for plate reading, like our um, machine learning uh, core in AutoView has really, really increased read reliability. We do it. We had a contest where we had a whole bunch of like damaged plates and the human eye couldn't read the plates. But with the once we implemented our machine learning core on the uh, AutoView algorithms, really started seeing that performance take off. Now, I do caution people in the space. Uh, I mean, there's so much hype around AI. Never have two vowels been so annoying. Um, internally at Genetech, we call it absolute ignorance. Um, AI is a whole, it's a rubric that contains a lot of different practices and, and very meaningful and sophisticated things can be done with things like machine learning, deep neural networks, large language models, etc. As soon as I hear, you know, people casually tossing around AI, it's like, it's a little hand waving and a little too generalized. And I think we have to be careful about over investing in what that is without being specific. Um, so my advice to industry professionals is treat AI and all of the, you know, the, the promises and worries and all of that with a, a healthy helping of skepticism. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of the early days of analytics, you know, when, you know, there were analytics providers out there promising the sun, the moon and the stars and that their analytic would detect packages that were sitting beneath a table that couldn't be observed by any human eye on a camera, but somehow the analytic knew it was there. So, I mean, we have to be really careful and, and a little circumspect, frankly, about what this means. But at the same time, we can see the value of this in terms of the power of, you know, image recognition of the metadata that we're able to, to pull through through, you know, object recognition, these things are going to produce some valuable and time-saving um, uh, benefits for uh, security operators. So, you know, to me right now, the, the game, the heat is really at the, at the edge and the, the way security networks are being structured between edge, core, on-premises, connected systems. This, I think, is where the industry is going to see its biggest uh, sort of change. I think things like machine learning, I think things like uh, deep neural networks will add a lot to it. And who knows, maybe large language models will, will also do that. I leave that to the clever uh, analytics uh, people at Genetech to take advantage of. But um, I'm a uh, I'm cautiously optimistic there, but to me, the game is all about where workloads are being done, how we're going to structure those networks, and how we're going to build these, you know, much more resilient, much more um, lightweight, intelligent uh, sort of networks for security. And that, to me, is a very exciting space right now. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I, you know, I just put myself in the shoes of an end user uh, who, uh, and, and our end users today are a lot more savvy than they used to be. Uh, when I first got into the industry, it was a matter of vendors telling 
uh, their customers what they needed to buy. And, you know, the shoe is on the other foot now. The the end users are telling their integrators and the vendors what they need and how they need to go about implementing that solution for them. But uh, the, the, the advanced pace and the rapid advancement of technology is head spinning. And no more so than uh, how physical security systems have all – uh, almost to a to a T become network centric. Uh, so now you've got physical security uh, systems managers and security directors that uh, used to have to only worry about uh, you know their their doors and uh, and their and their video surveillance systems now have to be concerned about cybersecurity initiatives and how those are going to play uh, into the overall makeup of their strategies. Uh, wh- Talk a little bit about how you look at cybersecurity uh, being rolled into the overall fabric of what you're rolling out to your customers today. For sure. I mean, cybersecurity is is such a central part of what we're doing as security professionals right now, Steve. Like uh, I said it earlier, uh, but you know, the change in the industry is so encouraging. and And it does tie back to what you were saying about about the changing face of not just the the security professional end users, but the um, but the people who who are selling this, the integrators who are installing, putting together the networks, they've completely changed, and um, you know we're seeing, of course, people who have like strong understanding of risk and security. But that's combined with like deep understanding of networking. Uh, there's a, a strong understanding of you know cybersecurity best practices, and these people are often coming at it from different angles. Um, you know, you're seeing a much stronger play of people who are coming at the industry through the IT space, and that's meant that. You know, these end users and these system integrators are asking tougher questions of the manufacturers that supply software and hardware into physical security environments. So, you know, you get the you get questions about, okay, what kind of certifications has your company achieved and under undertaken? So that's when you get into discussions around ISO 2701, you get questions about SOC 2, type 2, are you, are you following these uh, approaches to security management? Do you have a defense in depth strategy? I, you know, the questions are very serious. There's a lot more um, pen testing going on, there's a lot more independent pen testing going on. Uh, there's a lot of security audits that are being required. And this, to me, is a super beneficial thing for our industry. Because you look at the scale of physical security networks and the sophistication of what they do and what they can do. And if improperly uh, installed and configured without an eye towards cybersecurity, the enormous amount of risk that end users are undertaking it's a very good sign for the health and just overall like hygiene of a physical security network. So to me, I'm very positive about that. I think, I think people also need to take a, a broader view and really sort of, you know, look 
further than the immediate network, look at the who's manufacturing the devices that are being put on your network. These are really, really big and difficult questions because sometimes, you know, you get physical security professionals, uh, system integrators who are like, you know, I don't really care if this device is made by, you know, some foreign government and and then, you know, all of a sudden they have customers with extremely compromised networks with very, very questionable sort of cybersecurity issues happening. This to me is where we have to keep the sort of education up and get people really thinking about that and uh, and and staying vigilant. Um, we are security professionals after all, and it's not just physical security anymore. It's both physical security, cyber security, logical security. There's a big picture we need to get our arms around. No doubt. And again, that is just the exciting uh, part of where the security industry is going and here in the future. And uh, I'm happy that you shared your vision of that. And we are uh, extremely uh lucky to have uh, folks like you in the industry that are forward thinking and have a, an eye towards uh, the future, uh, both you and the company. So Andrew Elvish, Vice President of Marketing for Genetech, I want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, our audience out there, we will have uh, another podcast later this month. So we are looking forward to building our audience with you. If anybody uh, that uh, is listening is interested and perhaps joining our broadcast down the road, just give either John Doberstein or myself uh, an email and we will consider putting you on the show. But until then, everybody have a great week and we will see you on our next broadcast. Well, Steve, uh, I want to thank you and Andrew for this fantastic discussion about the exciting and rapidly evolving future of the security industry. Just a reminder to our audience, this podcast is for you so you can stay informed about trends in the security industry anytime, anywhere. To access our podcast lineup, go to podbean.com and search for Security DNA. You can also find our podcasts in our Security Frontline, Integrator Newswire, and Security Week e-newsletters. Of course, we'd love to get some feedback from you, our listeners, about topics that you're interested in. If you have a suggestion, send an email to slasky, L-A-S-K-Y, at securityinfowatch.com. This episode of the Security DNA Podcast was recorded and produced by John Doberstein, Managing Editor of Security InfoWatch. For Steve Lasky, Andrew Elvish, and everyone here at Security InfoWatch, thanks for listening and stay safe out there wherever you may be.